0: Well, welcome to Grace Church, San Diego. How are you guys? It's you guys good. i been. I haven't preached in I think a month or just over a month. Just got back from vacation, so I'm so excited to be here. I missed you. I missed you a lot. It's good. To, good to see your oh, Good to see your faces. Um, uh, yes, you're already thinking it. Let me answer the question. There is a luau after the church. Uh, after, sir, so we're gonna go together to Jesse's house. Uh, Pop the address in the comments online. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Welcome to Grace, especially if you're new um, to Grace. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. If I've never met you, I would love to meet you after. I'm going to be down here. Um, If you're online or even if you're here and that's intimidating, email me. I'd love to get to know you. Scott at Gracesd.com. Very easy. Um, Would love that. I just got back from vacation. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, what that meant for me. Uh, but first, I just want to pray for our time together. Can I pray for us? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for those that are in the room that came and they got up and got dressed on a Sunday. That's a special thing. And those online, God, those that couldn't make it here in person but are watching from their living rooms and their offices or the kitchens or wherever they're from, God, I just pray. And I know that you have something for all of us today. We're all here, not on accident, but on purpose. And you have led us here. And so, God, I pray that we would see that purpose come through. You would see why why we are listening to this message. God, you have taught me and molded me through it. And for me, God, I just pray that you would help me get out of your way. Because right? I can do that a lot. I can get in your way. And so, God, I pray that you would speak your message about how we as Jesus followers, would influence the world around us. We love you. I pray that this message honors you in Jesus' name. Amen. So yeah, I just got back uh, Tuesday night from the longest vacation I think I've ever taken, 16 days. Yeah, that was, it was a good one. It was a doozy. It was a good one. And I, was, uh, I had been anticipating this vacation for a very long time. By the way, before we, because I, I will forget, if you need a Bible, please raise your hands. The ushers are going to come forward and, and, and give a Bible. Go ahead and come forward, guys. Just raise your hand if, you, if you're here and you want a Bible. Turn to Matthew 5, um, just as a heads up. Matthew 5, New Testament, you'll get there. But, yeah, so 16 days. <clears throat> we had been planning and anticipating this trip for over a year, right? We wanted to do this last year, this, like, pandemic thing happened, and so we didn't get to go, and so we went, and a lot of anticipation for it. We got a little ambitious, and the main thing I was looking forward to is resting, right? We all kind of need some rest in this season. I really want to just like sit on the beach and nobody talk. I wanted that, it didn't quite happen. Like, and, and because, you know, the fact that we weren't, none of us really, our family, wasn't able to rest, was really our fault. We were very ambitious. We flew on a Sunday uh, from San Diego to Newark. We stayed a night in Newark because we got there at almost midnight. We went to Long Island to really good friends of ours. We stayed the night in Long Island, 16-year-old birthday party, whoop, don't recommend it. Go up to Boston, spent a day and a half in Boston. I had never been. It was amazing. It was awesome. Quick, but awesome. Go up to Maine, and we spent three days on a lake house in Maine. Also amazing, but we were running all over Maine checking out different sites. Lots of lobster. Definitely recommend that. That was amazing. Drive six and a half hours to upstate New York to a Christian camp. Yes, I'm one of those nerds. Took the whole family to this camp in upstate New York in the Adirondacks. And that was awesome. A whole week on a lake. And it was awesome. However, there's 35 of us and hundreds of people at this place. So it was nuts, but awesome. And then we go down to the Jersey Shore. And we spend five five days or so before flying home. 16 days I was gone. And it's like, Scott, why could you not have gotten rest? Well, I did one day and then a little bit after. Finally, almost two weeks in, it was like day 12 or 13, and I'm like, you know what, tomorrow, forget the kids. I'm sorry, wife. Like, I'll see you at the end of the day. I needed me time, I, and I needed it because I, I recognized in myself, I was not resting. I was exhausted by the sun, by the people, by everything, and so I found a lodge, and I went and parked it in a chair, and I listened to a podcast. I love that. It gives me life. I read some of my book. Love that. And I finally felt at rest. I finally felt like at peace in a vacation that long, that far into it. And here's why, and I realized this. Most things in our life don't happen on accident, right? The things that matter, the things that have meaning, the things that have impact, that has to be backed by intention, by purpose. And that's what we're going to talk about today, because as much as I need to be intentional about finding rest, we need to be intentional about our faith and how we are to use it. Last week... Uh, Pastor Dan spoke, and he talked about these in-between times, right? He talked about social media and how we idolize the highlights of people's lives, but yet it doesn't give the full story or the full experience. If you go on my social media, I love to take pictures of different places that I go, and so you'll see some of those highlights. But I didn't show you the kids fighting in the back where I kind of I may and may not have screamed at them a couple times. Uh, I didn't show you that stuff, but he talked about the in-between moments in Jesus on the way with the disciples and how that's the investment. That's the influence that he had in those moments. Social media is a funny thing. I like it. It's not, I'm not one of those anti-social media guys. However, I do know this. I know that we follow people on social media that we idolize. And isn't it weird, right? They've become like heroes. Well, maybe they're an athlete. They're a celebrity. Maybe they're just a rich person with cool quotes and we're like, Monday's coming, I need to get rallied up and motivated. So we, we look at it, we go, yeah, I'll go get that Benz or whatever. And we idolize people. They're like, they become like our make-believe role models. And I have to be careful with what I say. My goddaughter is a huge online influencer, and she makes an incredible living off of Instagram. I'm like, what? But she does. But here's the problem. We've taken this word influencer, and we put online in front of it. And so, to be an influencer today means you have to be on social media, and is that really what it's meant to be? Are those the type of influencers that we are meant to be? Influence is such a funny thing. We look at these people, and we idolize them. They become our heroes. Well, let me ask you, do you consider yourself an influencer? Do you know and do you think through that you have influence, therefore you are an influencer? whether online, whatever, are you an influencer? Culture defines an influencer as this, an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. Purchase decisions. That's what an influencer is in our culture and our society today. So today, I wanna reclaim that word because I don't believe it's meant to be that. I wanna reclaim the word influencer so that we could live a life, those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, could live a life where we are influencing the world around us for the sake of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what we wanna talk about today. We've been in this series called Chain Reaction. If you haven't watched the messages, Go back the last two weeks and watch. Week one was Pastor Jesse, and last week was Pastor Dan. And both of them challenged you to memorize a scripture. Do you remember that? Have you guys re- memorized it? Remember Matthew eighteen or 28, starting in verse 19? Therefore, what is it? Go. Go and do what? It doesn't say therefore sit, therefore come to church. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And then we're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to teach them all that we have observed and watched Jesus do and the gospel do in our lives and in the world. And behold, he's going to be with us forever. That is our mandate. That's not a request. That's Jesus calling you as a Jesus follower to go and make disciples, go and influence people towards him and towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to, we are hopefully being encouraged and empowered to go and make disciples. And you say, wait a second, Scott, do you mean you want me to be an evangelist? Is that what it is? And, and I get it because that, that word alone, you hear that word and you're like, Ugh, it's cringeworthy. Because when, I don't know about you, I hear evangelists and I'm thinking about the guy on the corner with the Bible on the sign saying, you're going to hell. And he's yelling scriptures at people and they're like, whoa, he's crazy. Is that what I want you to do? Do I want you to be the weird one always talking about God or always talking about your church and your friends are like, can they just shut up about it for once? This isn't what I'm talking about and and what I hope to show you. But here is the mandate. We are still called to go and make disciples. Well, how do we do that? Well, first, here's the problem. Here's a big problem that I see, especially in today's age, in our church, literally here at Grace, in the big capital C church, the church in our Western culture, and throughout Christians' lives, is there is a huge, huge gap, a Grand Canyon-sized gap, Between what we believe and how we live, there is this enormous gap, and I'm speaking to me too, this enormous gap where we have privatized our faith. Our faith is one thing. I believe in Jesus, but my practice says otherwise. And therefore, we are not making disciples. We are not. By and large, the church at large, we are, it's reducing, it's decreasing the making of disciples in our world. It's not going up, it's going down. Why is that? It's because of this enormous gap. And because of that, we are being influenced by culture and we are being made disciples of the world and not our God that we claim to know and love. It's so striking and it's convicting. It's convicting me. It's been speaking to me. And so I want to look at how Jesus describes us and specifically our influence in the world in Matthew 5. And I want you to turn there with me. It'll also be on the screen. Jesus, I love this about him. He's a name caller. Like he calls us names, he calls people names. I just like that. But he calls you and I, those of us who consider ourselves Jesus followers, and I do. He calls us two words, two names that I want to pinpoint and, and use as an illustration that this is how we are supposed to influence the world around us. Matthew 5, starting in 13. I'll read it for you. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. Number one, he says, you are the salt of the earth. You and I are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out thrown out and trampled under people's feet. First you were salt, and then he says in verse 14, you are also the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, you are called to let your light shine before others so that they may see in word and deed They may see your good works. They may see your behavior. They may see your attitude, your compassion, your love. And based on all of that, if we do that, what will it do? It will give glory to our Father in heaven. That is the way we influence our world is to be salt and is to be light. You and I are meant for this. I am meant to be salt in life in all the relationships that I have. You were meant at your workplace, believe it or not, to walk into that meeting and enhance people's lives, encourage people, uplift people, make their life better than if you weren't with it. You were meant to do that. You were meant to shine your light when it's dark, when they're discouraged. You were meant to enhance people's lives and be an influencer by being salt and light. It always happens in relationship hard to be salt and light when you're yelling at people to go to hell on the corner with your Bible and a sign very hard to be salt and light in that and let me give you a little caveat, you're going to have, you will have the greatest influence on those who it's most difficult to have influence on let me say that again, you you are going to have the greatest influence on those people that it's most difficult to influence, here's what I mean by that, you know the people closest to you you have the most impact. Your words carry the most weight, right? When my wife is so discouraged because of business or work and she comes home and she's discouraged and if I just mutter softly the words, I'm so proud of you, I see her face change. I have so much influence there. When my kids come home and my boys that are wild and crazy and they come home and they've had a really bad day and I just hold them and say, I love you, you're mine. You're mine, you're my boy. They're just, it just changed. I have so much influence. Your friends, your family, your best friend at work, you have more influence on them than those that you don't know that well or that you would consider an acquaintance. And what that means is we are called to be salt and light in those relationships, to make disciples, yet it's the most difficult with them, isn't it? It's hard to say, hey, let me tell you about what, what they were talking about at church. Isn't that difficult? Like, you go to your friends, your family, your closest people, and you're like, I don't want them to think I'm weird. Like, that's such an awkward conversation. They might think I'm a Bible thumper, right? They might think I am. But we are still called to be salt and light. It's so funny. um, Where we go in upstate New York, it's a Christian camp, I told you that. And we go with our family. My wife's been going there since she was a little girl. And so there's like 30-something people, and it's fun. You know, the kids love it. Uh, we have paddleboards and a boat and kayaks and I mean we do all the lake stuff and this camp is 118 years old called Camp of the Woods and notable speakers go there and travel there and they speak it's it's awesome I've learned a lot there I love it there we've been going since my boys were little and we go there and um, it's it's the cliche Corning Christian camp thing that we do I still love it anyway and we go and uh, I think the third night in it's a tradition we go out to dinner and we leave the kids with the older folk, grandma and grandpa, sorry if you're watching, you're not old, rewind, but the, our parents, my, my wife's parents, and so they watch the little ones, and the parents, us, we go out to eat, and there's like 10, you know, 12 of us, and we were out to eat this night in the small town of Speculator right by uh, the camp, it's right outside, and uh, again, the camp has like hundreds of acres it's very well-known in the community, all that stuff. So we go there, and that waiter is talking to us. He's like, oh, you guys seem like you're not from here. Where are you from? And, and most of them are East Coast. And we're saying, hey, we're from California and blah, blah, blah. What brings you here? And we said, well, we're, we're here for Camp of the Woods. We try to come here every year. And he goes, oh, cool. And he just quickly changes the subject. And I'm like, okay. And my wife, who's a bit anti- antagonistic, goes, I'm just curious what you think of Camp of the Woods. And I'm like what are you doing? <laughs> and he goes, no, it's cool. It's, it's good, it's good. And she goes, no, really. Tell me, be honest. And he goes, well, we, we sometimes call it cult of the woods. <laughs> oh, man. And it's, we all laughed and cracked up, and, and we're like, no, it's not a cult, but maybe close. I don't know. <laughs> so, it's awesome. However, that's the way the world views us, right? We're, like, we're pretty weird. To the world like what is wrong with you people are you guys a cult are you like are you guys weird and I think it's because we've judged the people in our lives instead of truly being salt and light in a relationship right we want to shove truth down truth is truth let's shove it down their throats it's not sprinkled with any salt or light we're not enhancing anybody's life We're not truly not making disciples of all nations. And to me, it's sad. We are meant to shine our light, to share our faith through love, through relationship. You and I are influencers, but the right way, we must be. It has to be intentional. It has to be on purpose, because it won't happen on accident. Think of the people who influenced your faith. Think of that. Maybe some of you are like, none, I'm here for the first time. Someone brought you here. God brought you here, right? Think of the people who influenced you. I had a lot of people influence my faith, and I've shared a lot about that in the past, but my main one, his name was Mark, and he was my best friend's dad, and he found out my story. My mom died when I was four, and the next year my dad went to prison, and he was in prison. My grandparents were raising me, and they were old, and I was young, and that was weird, And I remember the first time I met Mark, there was something different, and he walks in, and I'm a little intimidated. I was a shy, passive kid, quiet. Yes, I was quiet. Some of you are like, why aren't you still? But whatever. But he walks in, and he goes, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Scott. Where are your parents? What are they like? Tells me, or he asks me, and I tell him my story. "You, You don't have a dad? All right, I'll be your dad. I'm like, what, what? He would call me, hey, Scott, we're going out to eat. I'm picking you up in 10 minutes. Be ready. Always intentionally pursuing me in relationship. And I'll never forget, I met him in fifth grade. The next year, Matthew and I, his son, were on a soccer team together, and it was soccer Saturday. And we're on the soccer field, and we're walking through the parking lot. And this older gentleman who knew my grandfather but didn't know my story says, hey, Scott, how's, how's your grandpa? He's good, Bill, thanks. Oh, is this your dad? I've never met him. Without skipping a beat, Mark goes, yep, I am. Nice to meet you claimed me. Claimed me. That's one of many stories where he intentionally, purposefully influenced my life by pursuing me with love. Who are you doing that with? Who am I doing that with? How are we being salt and light and being intentional on purpose pursuing people in love? How are we doing that? Because Jesus was intentional We are meant to be. We are meant to make disciples of all nations, but it can't happen on accident. We have to pursue that. Jesus was so intentional. Think about his ministry, think about what he did. Read the Gospels. If you're not used to the Bible, start with John. I love that book. Start with John. Read the Gospels, and you will see riddled and woven throughout the four Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four documents of the New Testament was the intentionality and purpose of Jesus and every step and every person he encountered. It's amazing. It'll change you if you're truly listening and ingesting it. It really, really will. He spoke to and invested and transformed and healed and performed miracles with the masses And then taking a step back, he spent so much time in the 12 disciples and invested himself in. And then he took another step back, and there was three that he loved and said, come with me, you guys. And he traveled with, talk about in between times, and he loved and pursued them. It was strategic. It wasn't on accident. It was intentional. He knew what he was doing. And so woven throughout, the library of scriptures, as specifically the gospels, are Jesus reaching and transforming people. And it was always intentional. It was never on accident. We must do the same with our faith. In Mark 5, you heard some of these stories, even last week. You heard the story of Jesus landing on the sea after coming across the Sea of Galilee. And, and a guy who was a, who was a local leader who was influential, named Jairus, coming up to Jesus, and my my daughter is dying. She's 12, she's dying, will you heal her? And Jesus says, okay, and so they go through the town, and everyone wants to see the new Messiah, the, the new rabbi, the one that might be this Messiah in their minds. Can he heal us? What can he say to us? And they're pressing in on him. And there was this woman who was an outcast because she had a medical condition, and she was bleeding for 12 years. Into the public, if there was something wrong with you medically, you had sin in your family or in your, in your own life. And she snuck away, and I can picture her just covering herself, not wanting to be exposed publicly because no one wanted to be around her. And she musters up the faith to touch his robe, and when he does that, he knows her story, and he turns around, and because she was a public out, outcast, she, he publicly restores her. That was intentional. And you zoom over to Luke 19 and you see that Jesus encounters this man wandering through towns intentionally. And there's this chief tax collector named Zacchaeus who is a criminal in the town. People hate him. He's going against his own culture. He's robbing the people for the Romans. And yet Jesus marches straight across the religious lines that are created there for the religious elite and he calls out this guy, come down from the tree. He was up in a tree. That was weird, but he was up in a tree. He says, I'm inviting myself over to dinner at your house. And then he changes him his whole life. That was intentional. Think of the adulterous woman and the woman who was caught committing adultery. And all the religious people saying, she must die. Let's pick up a rock and stone her and kill her. And Jesus says, hold on. Those of you who don't have sin in your life, go ahead and throw your first stone. And instead of looking at her, they start looking inward and they drop their stones and they go home, probably embarrassed and ashamed. And then he says, where are your accusers? Where are they? They're gone. Now go and sin no more. You see what he did? He gave grace and truth in that order, by the way. And he loved her and called her to her own rest, restoration That was all intentional. Jesus was the most intentional God and human being ever to walk this earth. But we must be intentional with our faith as well. Are you intentional with your influence? How are you influencing people? There are so many more stories. The early church, his early church. You heard weeks ago, my friend, Pastor Evan Wickham, he gave an amazing message to you guys. He talked about Acts 6 and Stephen. You remember that? So awesome. I love that guy. Stephen, but also Evan, is what I mean. <laughs> and he gave this beautiful message, and he's talking about the church leaders and going, we need to preach and teach. There's a problem. This, these women in the food distribution are being targeted. They're being neglected. Stephen and the others, right, they called seven. They said, I need you guys to step up because you're full of faith. You're full of the Holy Spirit. You're faithful. You're pure. You're holy. I want you to resolve this, and they did the organization quickly put together was all intentional. It was all done on purpose. We as a church must come together and in practice, in word and deed, live a life that people would go, who are these people? They love us too much. This is weird. We need to be different in that way. The scriptures are full of purpose are full of intentionality not accidental salvation intentional it was all intended to happen we must be salt and light and it must be on purpose not on accident but on purpose my wife um she's been working on and off for point loma nazarene university plnu for years And she started there as the director of student financial services. And she transformed that department. She did an incredible job. And she went went back to school, got her MBA. While she was finishing her MBA, they said, we'd really like for you to teach. She's been teaching on and off there since then. This was like four years ago. And then they keep, she has such an incredible reputation there. They're like, come back and can you consult on this? Can you solve this problem for us? Can you come back full time? No? Okay, well, you know, can you consult with us more? Two day of the Friday, we left Sunday, uh, Friday before we left for vacation, she got an email from a couple professors that she knows that are high up in the, in the university, and they go, hey, Susan, we want you, we're writing a new textbook for higher ed, we want you to write a whole chapter, would you? And she's like, no, and I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm like, I write sermons and blogs and website content, and you're writing a textbook for higher education, you're doing it. Like, I, I definitely married up, right? But I love that. They go, here's the, here's the title of the textbook. Hope isn't a strategy. I love that. Hope isn't a strategy. At first you're like, what are you talking about? But hope isn't a strategy, they say. And here's, here's the whole concept. Have hope. God will fulfill his promises to you, absolutely. You can hope in them. You can have faith in them. That's not what they're saying. In our day-to-day life, we must be intentional in living out our faith. We have to be. And so that was the purpose of this title, and it must be us as well. And I get it, I know, I can hear some of your thoughts, but Scott, we're led by the Spirit, maybe you're not, you need to prepare, we don't, we're led by the Spirit. I get that sometimes. Like, we're all led by the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit can lead us. The Holy Spirit is a helper, however, the Holy Spirit will help us remember those verses when we need them. The Holy Spirit will speak to us and guide us and direct us on our path, but we still live life in our faith on purpose. I love the way the Holy Spirit is described in John 14. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will teach us He will help us remember and give us wisdom, give us guidance and direction, and it is a beautiful thing when we're living life on purpose and we're living it in concert, listening constantly to the Holy Spirit. But we must bring the two together. And so the problem that I sometimes see is people are like binge-watching shows and doing nothing and say we're led by the Spirit. You still must have an active faith so that the Holy Spirit can use you And help you along the way to multiply, to make disciples, to be salt and light with your friends, your family, your coworkers, everyone that God has entrusted to you. So here's the big question. How are you using your influence? How are you doing it? How are you using your influence? Are you, in fact, do you have specific people in your workplace that you work closely with that you're praying for? just an honest question for yourself I have a, there's a list that I have and it's interchangeable of people that I pray for every single morning are you praying for people, are there people you are praying to come to faith in Jesus Christ, are you activating your faith inside of you by keeping it active and going this person, Brian at work he needs to know Jesus, he needs to know that there's salvation for him, there's hope for him, there's relief for him He has so much pain in his life, and he needs to know what we have as Jesus followers. He needs Christ. Who are those people with you? Are you doing that? Are you a person of invitation? Are you inviting people into your home for a meal? Are you inviting people to go have coffee and pursuing people like that? Are you inviting people to church? Churches in America are declining and yet, we aren't inviting people to hear the gospel message. Hear not a motivational speak, a speech, but the gospel of Jesus Christ that can transform. We need to invite people into that. What if you were here on a Sunday at a 930, and worship was, was better than the message probably. It was incredible. It was great. And you walk out, and you saw a close friend, and they're like, I didn't see you in there. I didn't know you went here. I didn't even know you were a Christian. Oh, imagine what that would feel like. Imagine what that would feel like. If you're online, when was the last time you you shared this link with someone so someone can have hope, so someone could hear the gospel of Jesus? Are we inviting people into, with our words and in our behavior, into the gospel story that Jesus has saved and offers that for all of us? How are you using your influence? How are you being salt and light? And I just encourage you with that. And then as a church, finally, there I want to encourage us as a church to take these steps. It's called WRAP, W-R-A-P, watch, read, ask, and pray. It's on the app on the notes. You can go there, and there's a link there. First is Watch. We're going to encourage you to find a friend, a spouse, your kids, kid-friendly, friend, kid to go to the Gospel Project link on the app. And you're going to go through Luke and Acts. And it's really simple. You click on the link, and there's like a library of videos. And the first one, I think, is like the first two chapters of Luke and Acts. And you watch it, and then that's W, and then you, you read. You read the scriptures tied to that uh, video And then you ask three questions. And the three questions are behind me and online. What is happening in this moment that we're just reading? What is the meaning of this moment? And then how does it apply to our life? We want to watch, read, ask, and then we want to pray for each other. Very simple. We just want to offer that as a strategy. This is how you can make disciples. Invite someone in. Invite someone to do this for you for a couple weeks. See what God does it because ultimately you are an influencer whether you like it or not you have influence it's just whether you're intentional with it or not how can God use you in it and you say Scott I, I'm not in a place to influence other people I'm hurting I need influence I need help that may be the case but what God does is when you activate your faith and allow him to use you, it heals you as well. And that's, what the, that's the whole thing about what a church is supposed to do. We are meant to come together Allow the Holy Spirit to work in me to encourage you and work in you to encourage me. And iron sharpens iron, and we walk through life together, encouraging, uplifting, being salt and light with one another, making disciples, going out and bringing more people in as an invitation to the gospel community and message. That is what we are called to do, and we do that because God pursues. He already is everyone here and everyone at work, everyone Everywhere you go, he is active in this world. I know it's hard to see, but he is pursuing the loss. He is pursuing the person struggling with anxiety and trauma. He is pursuing the homeless. He is pursuing people inflicted in relationships and in conflict, everyone struggling. He's pursuing the loss. He's leaving the 99 for the one. We get to be a part of it. He's pursuing you, and he's pursuing me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for us, God. I just pray there are people in this room and there's people online who this message may resonate with, but they're not quite there, and if that's you, I just call out of you a step of faith. And I pray that you would just let, allow God in, because at some point, maybe you've built some walls up. Maybe you've been self-inflicted and you have your own pain, your own trauma, your own stuff you're going through and it's so hard to see Jesus through that lens. I hear you. But let me tell you that Jesus, that's where he wants to meet you. He specializes in that. He sees you right where you're at. And so if you don't know Jesus today, I just want to encourage you because he is pursuing you right now. So respond. Allow your heart to respond. Open up. He loves you. Open up, he loves you. Open up, he loves you. Allow God in. If you want to, for the first time maybe, express to God that you are claiming him and you are turning over your life from being independent to dependent on your creator, you can just express that and say, God, if you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin, I repent, I turn away, and I turn towards you. Jesus is there ready to wrap you in his arms and love you and say, welcome home. I pray that that's your prayer. And I pray, God, for all of us as a church, Grace Church San Diego, that we would be relentlessly reaching people, going and making disciples by being salt and light and using our influence for your glory alone. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.